Welcome to Conversation 360 Podcasts and an episode in our second series of Asia and the West. I'm your host, Susan Bird. We showcase people whose life, work, and experience shed light on what's taking place in and between these two critically important parts of our world. We're especially focused on China, and you'll hear from people with fascinating things to share about other parts of Asia as well. This next episode took place in Hong Kong in the offices of Alistair Angus, partner of SI Partners. He came to China about five years ago to expand on a successful London-based business advising companies who want to do business in Asia. They specialize in talent-based companies like creative agencies and tech firms. The great advantage of working with talent businesses, which is what we do, is that actually if the market moves, they can move. That's we're not true. we're not we're not welded into we're not making tables and the market for tables goes down and we've got a problem. We're selling like most of our clients are coming up with ideas, they're innovating, it's creative, and they can if the market moves slightly one direction, they can move there. You, you can retrain and reinvent yourself in a I mean you wouldn't, but hypothetically you could reinvent uh, yourself in a day. Working with talent has its challenges. A lot of the stuff we're doing now with talent is how do you build teams how do you get people working together um, you know because we work mainly with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are fantastic um, they're also usually fundamentally flawed in some way Alistair says he's still challenged by the nuances of doing business in another culture if you you know you live in London your offices in London you all your friends are in London you kind of the subtleties in a conversation you kind of know where everything's going oh yeah they, that's fine I get that yeah they're fine and, you, and a lot of it is just taken as rote, and you're probably only really worried about 5% of what someone's saying. Whereas when you hear, particularly, you know, particularly you're not, it's not in your first language, it may not be in any of your languages, um, and you're using a, a third party or, an, or one of your team who, can, who, who does have those skills, um, you know, you, you're, you have, you hear, you're, not, you're probably only hearing 5%. Challenges aside, though, Alistair is highly bullish on China. It still feels to me, uh, yeah, it's like we've only got started. You know, 10 years ago, people were saying, oh, you've got to get into China, it's going to be really huge. And 10 years has gone by, and I think, wow, it hasn't even started, it hasn't really even got going yet. We talk about all this and much more, including how the use of technology can be a curse, delivering too much data to deal with, and how some business people he knows feels there is so much business to be done outside of China, elsewhere in Asia, that they aren't even venturing into the China market. So take a listen. Alistair, welcome to 360 Conversations podcast and this series, Asia in the West. Thank you very much for having me. So how did you get here? Uh, well, I, I was an entrepreneur in, in London, and uh, I set up a, a M&A and consultancy business advising specifically creative and technology businesses, so publishers, advertising agencies, branding companies, technology companies. When was that, Alice? That was about 15 years ago. Okay. And about five years ago, I guess we felt that we needed to expand, and historically, I guess we would have typically moved westwards to New York, um, but the way the world had moved on by that time, uh, we thought, let's go eastwards, and uh, so we came over to um, Hong Kong, which was a market that I worked in for a previous company, and you know, it's a relatively easy market, it's a sort of uh, gentle gateway into Asia, 
and uh, found that many of the services and uh, skills that we developed in, in Europe were completely relevant here. They had to be tailored slightly for the, for the audience, different, slightly different KPIs, slightly different metrics, but essentially the, the, the requirements were very similar. So having done that for a year, based out of the UK, I then moved here about four or five years ago and have been based here ever since, and it's, it's gone very well. So when I mention conversations taking place between Asia and the West, especially China and the West, mm. what does that bring to mind for you? What does that mean? Well, the main conversation that we have at the moment is um, European and Western businesses trying to understand Asia, and Asia's pretty broad, so um, it's quite difficult to describe it in, in its entirety. Um, you know, the relationship with China would be very different potentially to a relationship with um, Indonesia. Um, if we, are we talking specifically about Indonesia? You or, choose. Okay, we'll talk generally about Asia. Okay. Though, that's all right. Okay, so, um, you know, so we've got a, a, a lot of uh, European companies, North American companies, who want to do business in Asia. Uh, but it's a fragmented market. It's growing quickly, but they don't really understand it necessarily particularly well. Um, multiple languages, um, some very high growth rates, but often from very small bases. So it looks very different to, you know, uh, potentially more developed economies. Um, the conversation the other way, um, is there are now bigger Asian businesses, you know, very much wanting to do business in the West. And, uh, and that's always been true. I mean, that's been true for a while with, you know, uh, Japan and Korea, but with China particularly, there's been, you know, seems to be a real push. And in the sector that we operate mainly in, which is in communications and, um, advertising, etc., um, you know, we, the global Chinese network has not yet happened, but probably will happen. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got them in France, got them in America, got them in London. Got them in Japan, got them in Korea, but we don't really have one yet for China. So, and I think there'll be, I think there's probably, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that happens and how and, it manifests itself. And when you say we've got them in this and we've got them in that, yeah. what is the them? Well, I think, you know, we've got big billion dollar multinational networks providing the full gamut of agency services from, you know, advertising, branding, digital strategies, social media monitoring, you know, you name it. Um, and, you know, you, the usual suspects being WPP, IPG, Publicis, uh, Hakahodo, Dentsu, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, the media business has gone through real turmoil in the West, right? So this probably represents a new set of opportunities. I think, I think there's been, there has been a steady consolidation, but equally, in the West, there's also a constant upflow of new business and new ideas because the market's changing so rapidly that, in fact, you know, new ideas, new companies start every day that that, that, that are suddenly that become terribly exciting mm -hmm. and need to be and need to become part of the broader marketing mix for for these guys and end user clients. Mm -hmm. um, the same is the same is true in Asia. I think that the it's a bit harder here to grow a scale business. Um, the, you know, you get a, you get quite a few big local players, but the the sort of independent SME level mm -hmm. is not as well developed. 
Um, and that's partly because of historical acquisitions, which have taken a lot of them out, and partly because uh, the market is very fragmented. And it's partly in the nature of communications and uh, early stage technology and early stage digital businesses. The barriers to entry are relatively low. You don't need huge amounts of capital. Um, so it's not hard to start them up. And in quite entrepreneurial cultures, uh, or very entrepreneurial cultures, you know, it's quite good. I've got some clients. I can I can set up a business. I have a company. Yeah, I have a company. I'm off. You know. So, and I think you get, and that seems to happen really quickly here. Um, I think the core of all of this is 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 talent. You know, there's, um, you know, 15 years ago, if I was talking to a, uh, you know, a growing agency in London, they'd say, oh, you know, do you know any good? Can you find me some good? And you know, you go to one in Shanghai. It's exactly the same. Can you find me a good? You know, there's always a shortage of talent, and and in a fast moving industry because there's been so much dramatic change over the last 10 years because of you know digitalization of everything um, you know talent that understands that that can operate in uh, different environments uh, across borders multi multi language you know they're quite they're rare and, and that drives that drives a lot of a acquisition because um, in a way what you're trying to find is good people and one of the definitions of good people is they've built a good business um, I, and uh, and I think they'll always be, and, and that's what drives drives the continued transactions in, in in our space. So, how well do you think the Western world understands China? I have to say, you know, I've travelled all over Asia, and most people in most countries, with some cultural differences, are all pretty much after the same thing. You know, mm -hmm. they want to. They want to look after their family. They want to do something interesting. They want to be rewarded for their job. They want to be treated reasonably decently. You know, so at a basic level, I don't think there's very much difference at all. At an operational level, there's, you know, massive cultural difference. Um, and perhaps, uh, maybe a slightly longer term vision here. But, but I think that, but it, I, it's semantics. I, there isn't a, I don't, I really don't think there's that much difference. And in terms of understanding, I think, um, you have to be, you have to be careful. Um, and if we take it back to talent, hiring individuals is quite risky because you're putting a huge amount of responsibility on one person who may be the only language speaker you have. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a number of people have worked out that actually recruiting and building a team and having to glue it together and build it and in a new market all at the same time is, is quite difficult. And in fact, sometimes it's easier to say, look, I'll buy something that's already working. Um, you know, I'll do my due diligence on fit and culture and as much as financial. And that's possibly a, a, a lower risk and faster way into a market than trying to learn all of the, the nuances either through a third party or, 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 or from a distance, which I think would be really difficult. I mean, I don't think you really appreciate the differences until you get here. And then the differences go away quite rapidly because you just you absorb them and it becomes normal. Um, and I don't think I don't think it's really any more difference than working in London or working in Paris at one level. Mm. But I'm fascinated by when you talk about hiring, for example. Mm. When I first started, well, let me let me ask it a different mm. way. So you came here five years ago. Mm. Has anything shifted in those five years in terms of the general business climate? I think it gets easier. 
but I'm not sure whether that's the climate or just better knowledge. Um, uh, but I think uh, you know, there's more and more people doing it. There's, uh, you know, every time you go to Malaysia or China, there's more and more, um, pe- more and more people who've travelled there to do work. There's more exposure generally. I think people are just getting getting used to each other. That's um, great. I genuinely see it as pretty positive. I mean, I think you know, at a at a at a at a news level, it's very easy to be quite gloomy about things. But I think at a at an operational level, people want to get on and want to get stuff done. Full steam ahead. Yeah. So it, has this recent slowdown in China had any impact? On I, I haven't really noticed. You that. haven't even seen no. it. No. That's no, interesting. Not at all. And whether there really has been a slowdown. Uh, there probably has. Again, we specialize in a subset of a subset of a market um, that's very... The, the, the great advantage of working with talent businesses, which is what we do, is that actually if the market moves, they can move. That's we're not, true. We're not, we're not welded into... We're not making tables, and the market for tables goes down, and we've got a problem. We're selling like most of our clients are coming up with ideas. They're innovating. It's creative, and they can, if the market moves slightly one direction, they can move there. You, you can retrain and reinvent yourself in a. I mean, you wouldn't, but hypothetically, you could reinvent uh, yourself in a day. Um, so when you talk about innovation, that's yeah. a, that's an interesting yeah. uh, place to sit for the moment. And that is that I remember it wasn't that long ago that we had conversations with senior people in this part of the world yeah. saying. Can China innovate its way to future growth? Well, we now know that China has a tremendous amount of innovation. Mm. Do you, where does that sit in the in the world that you oversee? Is it is there as much innovation coming from particular companies more than countries more than others? Or I think I think uh, we have innovative clients in all our markets. You know, um, you know, we've got clients in New York, clients in Europe, clients in Asia. There are. Certain hotspots. Sometimes there doesn't seem to be particular logic behind it, but I, I would say China is as innovative as anywhere else. Um, you know, you get some markets that seem like Vietnam, which seems surprisingly innovative, particularly in our space. There's been a lot of technology out of there. Um, you know, so it's interesting to see where, where you, some some countries seem to punch slightly ahead of their weight, but but generally, I think you know um, the, the internet. Because it's grown up slightly differently in China, um, has perhaps encouraged, has given regional specialists a bit of an advantage because they don't have the usual channels available to them. They've got their own domestic channels, so you have to be able to um, to do that, and that's all in Chinese. And you know, so there's a slightly different uh, dynamic there. So, 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 so there's a if you want to be a global if you want to have a global online presence, then you need to have a, you know, you need to have a Chinese partner, and you need to understand their routes to market. Digital routes to market are different to those in the in the West. Is the understanding of what innovation is any different in this part of the world than it is in the West? It seems to me that people seem tend to define innovation as kind of an either or. It's highly disruptive. There wasn't one yesterday, and there is one today, or it's evolutionary. It's improving on the way stuff was done before, and the ultimate result of that is, in fact, innovative. Is, is, do you see that distinction? Is it just a matter of semantics, and it doesn't matter? I, you know, I think coming up with something world-altering is, you know, 
pretty innovative probably. Um, uh, I'm not sure where that will come from next. I don't see any reason why it shouldn't come from Asia or North America or Europe. You know, well, especially considering the numbers. Yeah. And do you see any difference in, since we were talking about talent, do you mm. see any difference that uh, educational systems lend to this? That people for some time thought, well, parts of the world where things are learned by rote mm. aren't going to be as uh, innovative as others? Yeah. I, I have. The, the, when, we, when I first came here, there was a certain, a certain perception that in at the very creative end of the industry that we work in that potentially you know it was harder to find people in that with those skills in china but that's i don't have any it's totally third party opinion i'm not a creative so i wouldn't be able to tell yeah, yeah. Uh, whether it was or not but i have you know you, it, I, but whether that's actually true or just a kind of uh, and it's partly the age of the market, you know, I think you haven't had, a, it's like, there just aren't enough people who've come through, who've been exposed to it. And if you if you look at the, a lot of these Western businesses, they're just, a lot of the creative people who are in the new um, channels to market have moved from a traditional channel. Um, so they've got years and years of legacy creatives, you know, whereas China... And some of the markets in in Asia have had a much shorter period of time, so they just they just don't have enough. But they'll probably, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if in a few years they're they're ahead, um, because you know there's there's lots of very bright people who are pretty keen to get ahead, and they're not burdened by here's the way we did it yesterday. No, and I think particularly with digital disruption, I think the fact that they many of these people have, uh, have only ever seen. You know, a highly integrated, highly digitized, mobile, smart mobile, internet everywhere, um, wireless everywhere environment. You know, whereas people my age, you know, you know, still remember when everything was being the only way you could sell anything was on the television. You know, so it's a really that you know, so, so they're they're not. I don't think they suffer from the same const constraints that. Uh, that perhaps we do in some ways, the legacy constraints. So it sounds to me like you're pretty bullish about all of this. I'm, I'm pretty positive generally. Uh, um, you know, you don't get on a plane and come to Asia, uh, you know, unless you're reasonably positive. Unless you're open to <laughs> yeah. adventure. And, and, and so where, do, where, if you have your druthers, and where, would you, where do you think the big, the big opportunity lies for your business in particular? I think, uh, you know, ch China for us, is or is going to be very you know it's a huge market and it's very developed you know there are other markets in the region that are growing quickly but they're either quite small or they're growing from a relatively small base mm -hmm. um you know you've got other markets that are easier to do work in so you know hong kong's very easy to work in but it's a small market singapore is very easy to do work in but again it's a relatively small market indonesia is a very big market by population but it's quite you know it's not particularly sophisticated in terms of the sector that we that we, mm -hmm. that we work in. Australia is a fantastic market in terms of skills and talent. And actually, from a time zone point of view, not bad. Um, and, and, and actually, where there is a skills shortage in Asia, we're actually thinking maybe, you know, taking, using Australia as a skills hub and bringing people northwards is actually oh, easier than trying to do it from, trying to run it from London or New York. Mm -hmm. I mean, trying to run it from New York, it's 13 hours. It's, it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. I mean, London's bad enough. And so I think I think there is a um, you know that, that 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 moving skills northwards from Australia is quite interesting because Australia kind of punches slightly above its weight in terms of 
the skills, um, and they've got some very sophisticated businesses down there, slightly limited by geography. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but they've got lots of geography, they've got lots of, lots above them that they could get their teeth into. And actually just Southeast Asia's, is, is, is a big market. Um, before you can get to Greater China, mm-hmm. I mean, some, there are a number of people who are looking at doing stuff without really considering Greater China at all, because you know they're just right. Well, if we can do all of Asia, all of the rest of Asia really well, then that's a that's pretty big market. Yeah. 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 So, where are the challenges? What are the things that could get in the way of your optimism? Yeah, look, I think uh, general unhappiness, lack of confidence. Um, you know. People want, I mean, all businessmen say the same, don't they? They want, they want predictability. We want visibility. Mm. We want, we want to be, we want to be able to have confidence that when we, you know, invest in somewhere that the currency is not going to change dramatically and that, you know, we'll be able to get our returns out, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, you know, it's the basic, I think that the greater economic trading and the transparency and honesty of that is the key to making it work. But that's just a liberal, view of the world, really. I don't think it's anything particularly innovative. Well, it is interesting, I think, what you say about predictability, that we are right now in a time in which it is mm. a little bit hard to tell what And, and that's going. probably not helping, you know, probably not helping in the short term. Mm. I think in the long term, you know, in the, in the long term, everyone, everyone wants to get this done. It's going to happen. I think it's just a question of the speed, you know, and we can, we can make it more difficult or we can make it easier. Um, at the moment, we seem to be looking at, uh, you know, there's a lot of disruption, isn't there? Brexit, U.S. elections, etc. Yeah, interesting. When you think about your business, too, that that we've never had more ability to communicate in terms mm. of technology, and yeah. yet it seems as if on very basic levels in certain parts of the world we have not been listening to each other. And that is... Um, Maybe we never listened, but we just found out. Maybe you're right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of an interesting way to put it. Now, you came here five years ago. Mm. You've probably not been immune to the conversations that have been taking place sort of steadily, or maybe it's a particular drumbeat that I just mm. hear. Mm. But people who have been here a long time, Westerners mm. who have mm. been here, who say Hong Kong's kind of over. The, the, uh, the thrill, yeah. the specialness, the whatever it was we had. Mm. You know, I'm not so sure it's still around. You know, maybe I go back to the UK, maybe mm. I go back to Australia. Where do you stand on that? It sounds to me like you're here for the long term. You're I, here for the big game. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I can't. I can't see any reason to to uh, to leave Hong Kong. It's a it's a great place to base your business. Great place to live. It's very easy, um, and it's pretty handy for everywhere. Um, I guess Singapore is probably its nearest rival in terms of ease. But it's more interesting. But yeah, it, you know, Singapore is lovely. But I, you know, I, I, Hong Kong is just a brilliant mix. Of, uh, of cultures and, uh, and it seems to have got the best of all of them. Um, I think it, I don't, I, I've only been here five years. So to me, it doesn't seem to, I don't think I could really say whether it's cooling off or not. I'm, I, but you're quite right. I think, uh, most of the people I know who've been here for say 20 years, you know, so, oh, it's just not quite, it's not. But then I think if you ask anyone about any country after 20 years, it probably wasn't as good as when they got there. Yeah, that may be. <laughs> but I also think there's something about, and, and maybe this, this has, some uh, reflection from the kind of work that you do. Mm. But it just seems to me that Hong Kong is in the process of transition. Yeah. The, the question is, what is it going to become and how do you become a player in that? Because it could be 
an even more exciting place, given what's happening in general in Asia. Mm. And if you believe that, then there is really big opportunity here. It just won't look like it did when people were still thinking a little post-colonial. I don't know. It's kind of fun. I love, I love hearing the views because it's almost as if it's blind people describing an elephant when people talk to me about it. You know, it depends on where you're standing yeah. as to how you feel about it. I think, I think, you know, there was. I think there was an, uh, an interesting article published recently about, um, you know, uh, countries that the easiest country to become a millionaire. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And one of one of the I can't remember where, what, what what the article was from, but it, uh, but one of the criteria was a, a sort of English style legal system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Hong Kong will continue to be successful when you have that rule of law, wonderfully independent, an independent judiciary, which is what makes Australia and you know all these countries so successful. You know, if you have that, then it will be success. It, it will continue to really punch above its weight. Uh, so long as it's not only an a, a easily understood and fairly. Mm. Uh, uh, articulated mm. rule of law, but it also requires enforcement. Yeah, Because absolutely. we've got a number of countries in this area which have really yeah. built uh, legal systems, but they're not enforced. But they're not enforced. No. And, yeah. and, I, and I think, and, but again, that comes back to the same, it's about predictability, isn't it? You want to know, if I do this, this will happen. If I sign a contract, it is valid. You know, and I think, uh, you know, what, and Hong Kong is, is a very good place for that. Um, I'm not saying that others are, you know, others aren't, but Hong Kong is, is particularly good. And I think that allows it to, um, you know, punch above its weight. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how I've never really thought about it. Honestly, perhaps my time horizons are too short. But you know, how that will pan out over the next twenty years, you know, I don't know. I've no, I, 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 I couldn't even guess. Which is part of the. You tend to hope. For, I mean, I think if you're here, you hope for the best, don't you? Um, well, I think that's true anywhere. But I think. I think it, 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 you do have the feeling that there's big, still big possibility and opportunity yeah. here that is just so different from other parts of the world. In Asia generally. Yeah. I mean, I think it still feels to me, uh, yeah, it's like we've only got started. You know, 10 years ago, people were saying, oh, you've got to get into China, it's going to be really huge. And 10 years has gone by, and I think, wow, well, it hasn't even started, it hasn't really even got going yet. You know, it's- well, and it seems to me one of the things that's shifting in a positive way, is that uh, most people in most parts of the world are getting the sense, and this may be my interpretation, but mm. that we're really moving into a collaborative century, that you can't really do stuff on your own. You really, that, am I wrong about that? No, I think that's a really interesting point. There's uh, one of the, our chairman in, in North America is a, a, a woman called Dr. Donna Ardy, who, who wrote a book called the, or the Fall of the Alphas, or The Rise of the Beaters. And this is all about uh, collab- collaboration. You know, the, the, the days of the sort of, um, you know, typical alpha bashing down the doors, lone wolf, lone wolf type mm-hmm. thing is actually not, you know, whilst it was quite effective for a while, it's not in the long term the most, the, the way to get the best out of a, a system, any system, be mm-hmm. that political or, or, or business. And, um, and I, I, I think it's a good point. I think a, a lot of the stuff we're doing now with talent is how do you build teams? How do you get people working together? Um, you know, because we work mainly with entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurs are fantastic. Um, they're also usually 
fundamentally flawed in some way, but that's what gives them the, sure, the drive, the, the drive mm -hmm. to get stuff going. And then working with them to build teams that um, that take collective responsibility, that fill in all the gaps, so that you've got create something much much better. Usually, than continuing to allow that sort of extreme, um, you know, often overly independent uh, uh, function. And I think that's how, and I think a lot of larger corporations are going that way, going that way as well, and seeing that collaboration between senior broader senior teams is a much better way of getting the best out of your business and now it's easier to do it because we have technology well, so it's, we it's, can... it, yeah and, and, and te but technology is both a both a blessing and a curse now isn't it there's you know you can you can get access to everything uh, but everything might just be a bit too much to deal with indeed <laughs> but I think I think it, now one of the things I'm not quite sure I understand about your business so mm. does it happen that you work with entrepreneurs basically who are already here and are looking to scale their businesses, or do you work with people, let's say Western entrepreneurs, let's say in the pharma area, yeah, yeah. for instance, or, yeah. well, you're in the media area, yeah. but that want to that now come here. be yeah, here. Yeah. Where is your So, so we, we typically work, or virtually exclusively work with own entrepreneurs. Okay. So by nature, they are often very regionally specific. So you know, we'll have clients who are just in Shanghai, or clients who are just in Ho Chi Minh, um, equally, we have clients who are in London, and we have clients in Germany, and we have clients in New York. Um, some of our bigger internet, uh, entrepreneurial clients actually may have multi-sites, and they might have London, New York, Germany, or they might have Hong Kong, Singapore, London. So they're, they're, they're sort of little mini, mini networks. Mm -hmm. We tend to work with them on how they grow, how to build teams, um, and then usually how to partner with someone else to continue that growth, because there's a point at which if you are in, if you've got a great business in China, how do you get access to Western brands who want to sell products in China? If you wait for them to get to China, it might be too late. You know, mm -hmm. the, you know, so you need to find a gateway to show what you can do, to show your understanding, to show your ability uh, within that market, outside of that market. Um, and now some of the really big brands, of course, can afford to have you know, big teams domestically, but, but, but that's a relatively small group of people. Most people will be operating from London. You know, they're looking to sell products in China or build a brand in China. Who, who should I work with? Mm -hmm. um, they, they may not even hear about the best guy in, in China. So we, do, so we do a lot of finding uh, partners for people, uh, partners for independence. Um, we help independence grow. And then, and then actually as part of that, and usually as an output of strategy, is you know if you can't grow anymore on your own, then you need to grow with somebody else. So there's and that, that collaborative, thing. and that and that becomes very and that can be, you know, from a JV right the way through to a you know a trade sale. So you know we do the full the full range of services there. So have you always had this kind of global mindset? Um, my first job was in um, Abu Dhabi. Oh really? Yeah. So I pro probably. <laughs> Because the answer is yes. Yeah, and uh, I met my wife in Dubai, so and uh, I, you know, and I think we are, you know, we're both Celts, and uh, you know, we, t we tend they we seem to be a disproportionate number of us uh, uh, traveling around. I, I, you know, I've always been very, I've always, I like it. It's just more interesting, um, and you learn more. Yeah, you learn, you learn more every day because. There's so much stuff that's new, um, and that, and it's not, and therefore it's not boring. 
So is there anything we haven't touched on that you think is important when you think about this, this conversation, this connection between Asia and the West? Anything that you'd like to bring up? I think it's, it's, it's about trust. Mm. Um, and I think uh, I'm very lucky, or we are very lucky, in that it would seem that within the creative, um, entrepreneurial, um, innovative technology space, we seem to meet a lot of really decent people um, at, who, are, who are pretty easy to work with. Um, but, but, but building that trust is, very, is different in each market. And, um, and it took us, you know, two or three years to work out how, how you should work with people. Because you take a lot for granted in, if you, you know, you live in London, your office is in London, you, all your friends are in London, you kind of, the subtleties in a conversation, you kind of know where everything's going. Oh yeah, they, that's fine. I get that. Yeah, they're fine. And you, and a lot of it is just taken as rote. And you're probably only really worried about 5% of what someone's saying. Whereas when you hear, particularly, you know, particularly, you're not, it's not in your first language. It may not be in any of your languages. Um, and you're using a, a third party or, an, or one of your team who can, who, who does have those skills. Um, you know, you, you're, you have, you hear, you're not, you're probably only hearing 5%. Indeed. Um, you know, and, and all that soft stuff, um, that you kind of take for granted isn't there. And learning that, and compensating for that in how you do work um, uh, is interesting. And I think the way, you know, my approach has always been, you know, you just have to spend actually just probably a disproportionate amount of time actually with people. Um, you know, email and phone and all of this stuff is just doesn't cut it, you know, uh, when you're not... It's hard enough to do email with your with your kids, yeah, yeah, <laughs> let, alone, let alone with uh, someone who, you know, in another language on the other side of the world. You well, know? I think, I, and I think that's where, you know, so that face-to-face time and being on the ground is probably the key, key, key building block to building trust. You know, that, uh, it's funny because I've said for years face-to-face conversation has become the new luxury and yeah. all the other technology. Mm. Now I'm starting to think, though, that it's face-to-face conversation has become the requisite, the beginning of what forms a relationship. And I, think, and, and I think it's partly a, 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 a technology. Emails are incredibly easy and require, and, and the, the level of uh, um, um, grammar and punctuation required is very low. You know, so you can bang them out really quickly. But and, the opportunity but, for but, error. But the opportunity for error is enormous. Yeah. And, and, and I think there is a tendency uh, to use uh, to use email and the internet and even worse, uh, text, etc., uh, to communicate where a, a phone call would be much better. And then if you can't do it, and, 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 a, and a meeting would, pro- and if it's really important, I think probably a meeting would be quite yeah. good. But I think, again, all of this is, it's, it's, I'm not saying that any of these are wrong, but the notch, if the notch is on five in London, it's dialed up to about eight by the time you get here, and you can dial it up a bit further as Indeed. it gets more complicated. And I think that's, that, that's, that's a really important thing. And to sometimes think, it's highly likely they haven't understood or we haven't understood what's, what's happening. Each other. We yeah. need to go back and do it again. There's a global lesson in yeah. there, I guess. Bye, yeah, maybe. Well, that's a good place to stop, I think. I really appreciate this, Alistair. Thanks for participating in Conversations 360 and this particular series, Asia and the West. You're, uh, you have quite a perspective. Thank you. My pleasure. 
this is the first time you're listening to Asia and the West podcast, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice. There are plenty more conversations with fascinating people from where this came. And please rate and review us on iTunes. As you may know, iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings, and the more credit we get, the more people can discover us. And please tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful way to spread the word about the Conversation 360 podcast and this Asia and the West series. There's more information on our website, www.conversation360podcast.com. The show's Twitter handle is at Conv360Podcast, that's C-O-N-V 360Podcast, and my personal Twitter is at Susan W. Bird, spelled B-I-R-D. Thanks for listening. <laughs>